The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Sam, what's happening on this Monday night? That much, man. Just a lot of great stories. Uh, you know, we are in Black History Month, so uh, we set up a nice show talking about African-American pioneers, sports pioneers. And, uh, you know, the NFL Combine is also uh, kicked off, so uh, a lot of news and notes from the Combine. Well, that's for sure. Hey, man, let's get started with one of my f- most famous sports heroes in my life, and that's Coach Eddie Robinson, man. I mean, I've looked up to this man for many, many years, and when you look at the number of players that he's put in the NFL, from um, Doug, Doug Williams, who won the first African-American to win the Super Bowl, to many, 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 many more African-American football players. This one of my most famous people, man. I can't, I've, I've never been to Grambling to see his home, but I really want to go to Grambling and just um, just to feel a little bit of what, what this man felt and how, how he lived his life because it wasn't easy, but he made the best of it and made a lot of men, men. Yeah, uh, you know, that's one of the jobs of a coach, of a head coach or, uh, or any coach is to mentor young men. And uh, Coach Robinson, he did it better than, uh, in my opinion, than any coach that, uh, that, that has ever done it. Uh, he's just been a, a great influence on a lot of men's lives. And uh, he's done wonderful things for Grambling. And uh, like you said, Doug Williams, uh, he... Uh, he was not only coached by a pioneer, but he he became a pioneer. He became the first African American quarterback to um, to quarterback his team to a Super Bowl championship. Uh, you know, Eddie Robinson now is the all time uh, leading coach, uh, winning his coach after they took those victories from Joe Pa. And uh, you know, even with that situation, I always felt that uh, he was kind of slighted uh, that uh, Coach Paterno was allowed to um, to break that record, and and then a lot of the uh, allegations that uh, were brought up against him uh, came to the forefront. And, uh, you know, Coach Robinson is just a true African-American sports pioneer. Uh, and that's for sure. You know, but it's, it's, it's so many um, great sports people, um, and I think of football a lot because I am a football person. But um, Tony Dungy is another one, man. He won the Super Bowl as, a, as an African-American coach. You know, that's something, something special, very special. And he went up again. And, you know, when uh, in Dungy's uh, quest for a Super Bowl, he also uh, 
faced off against another African-American, Lovey Smith. So that was, a, that was also a first two times. The first time in Super Bowl history that two, minor, two minority coaches uh, led franchises to the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, Daryl, uh, just, just doing the research on our, our uh, pioneers, you know, a lot of times when you talk about the great American sports stars, uh, you, you think Jesse Owens, Muhammad Ali, uh, Jackie Robinson, uh, and, uh, you know, just, just doing a little research on this, uh, I came up with like the forgotten guys, man, the forgotten godfathers of, uh, black American sport, uh, C, uh, CNN did a great piece on it. And it's, our our African-American jockeys, you know, uh, the 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 country's most prestigious horse race, the Kentucky Derby, uh, launched in 1875, and uh, you know, to my surprise, 13 of the 15 jockeys were uh, African Americans, and uh, much like uh, blacks dominate the NBA and the NFL today, uh, in the late 1800s, you know, uh, African Americans was leading the way in a. Uh, in, in horse racing, and uh, one of the guys that really stood out, uh, the son of a former slave, Isaac Murphy, was the first jockey to win three Kentucky Derbies in uh, 1884, 1890, and 1891. He went on um, to win an, an unheard of 44% of all his competitions, becoming the first rider inducted into the National Racing Hall of Fame. And uh, Murphy was also the first millionaire black athlete. And, uh, you know, it's just something that uh, until you start researching, until you do a little uh, history check, it's a lot of stuff that you that you never know. Man, and thanks for that history uh, lesson, Sam. That's why I admire you so much, man. You always come up with some critical facts, man. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Hey, but but, but let's get But How about people like Arthur Ashe, man? You know, hey, won the U.S. Open. One of the first black men that ever win the U.S. Open. Hey, man, you got that Thea Gibson. Uh, you know, she led the way for uh, Venus and uh, Venus and Serena Williams, man. So uh, she was a pioneer in the sport of tennis, man. Uh, Fritz Pollard. You know that, that there's a lot of African African American athletes that did a lot of great things. You know. Like I said, a lot of times, you know, uh, Jackie Robinson, you know, he broke the color barrier in, uh, in baseball. But uh, th- there were guys and females before them. And, uh, you know, sometimes they don't get the credit that uh, some of the other athletes uh, get. And, and that's for sure, man. Like like Willie O'Ree, you know, he was one of the first African. He was the first African-American to play, um, play um, hockey, play for the Boston Bruins. You know, I, you know, these people were definitely pioneers. And I guess when we talk about them, we really have to kind of feel what they were going through, you know, because it's, it, it had to be something very, very difficult to be the only minority on the field, on the court, on the, on the, in the ring. And, and you, you, you didn't just play for yourself. You played for all these African-Americans that looked at you on TV and admired you and was pulling for you so hard, man, so hard. Yeah, it um, you know it took a lot of courage. You uh, you uh, as a minority, and uh, depending on when you competed, you weren't you weren't allowed to uh, compete at some of the 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 same tournaments as uh, your, your counterparts. Uh, you were you weren't allowed to enter the front door of uh, certain establishments, and uh, you know that that takes a lot of courage. Uh, you're not only playing for yourself; you, you're playing for 
your people. And uh, another guy um, that really comes to mind, just doing a little research, a lot of people know of Tiger Woods and some of the other great golfers, but uh, Lee Elder. Uh, in 1959, Elder turned pro and uh, on the PGA circuit, and then he went on to become the first African American to win the Masters and other prestigious golf tournaments. And uh, you know, he's always been vocal about the racism that exists in golf. Uh, yes, he has. And and you know, Tiger Woods has made it clear that it was some courses that him and his dad went to where they were denied when he was a young man growing up wanting to play in tournaments. And I'm sure his dad probably knew he was going to be denied before they got there. But he wanted him to be, be able to experience that, man. Because, I, you know, you don't forget those kind of things. And Tiger Woods made it clear. He has not forgot the times when him and his dad went to places and they could not golf on the course. Hey, uh, you know, even in, golf is a... Uh one of the, uh, the the sports uh, that's right now, there's a lot of racism against women. There's uh, certain clubs that women, uh, regardless of uh, color, are not allowed to uh, to play. And uh, it, it's just sad. You know, uh, eventually you, you hope that uh, times will change uh, some of the stuff. Well, that's true. But um, the, the, um, the course in Augusta where they have the Masters, just allowed, I think it was four women, and they're the four first four women to be allowed to play at this course, to be members of that uh, of that course. And so, and, and one of those is a black woman, Condoleezza Rice. So we have made a lot of strides, man. But when you think back about people like Warren Moon, who's probably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live, the greatest one of the greatest quarterbacks to play in the NFL, <coughs> this man had to go to Canada. Because the NFL was not ready for a black quarterback like that. You know, and, and I, I say that because it was some black quarterbacks before Warren Moon. But when Warren Moon came out of college, the NFL was not ready for him. And they were not ready to give him the credit or the pub or the money that he deserved. And he was a smart enough man to go to Canada and make a good living. And then come back to the NFL and set records. Uh, you know, for a long time as a uh, as a minority playing the quarterback position, uh, it, it was very tough because uh, management, uh, coaches, they looked at minorities and uh, they didn't feel that we had the ability to um, to, to lead to in, and to play a position, uh, the, the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, even today, uh, it's easy to stereotype. An athletic quarterback is saying that, uh, oh, he only can run. He only can do certain things. But uh, the, the more opportunities we get and the more, uh, the more, the more times the guys are shining now. Because if you look at the NFL, you got, you got your Cam Newton that's doing well. You had RG3 this year. You had Russell Wilson. Uh, you, you have a lot of minority quarterbacks that are doing great things and are just uh, – kicking down that door and saying and, and just busting that stereotype up and uh I, I and I really feel that they're changing the way that the quarterback position is being played. If you look at a lot of the zone read schemes, uh coaches are now starting to take advantage of some of these unique skill sets that are that these African American quarterbacks bring to the table. Well, uh, you know, and and the game has changed. The game has changed because of speed and the speed came into the game because of the African Americans, man. You know, we thought when, when we think about other sports like basketball, you know, a lot of people don't know who is the scoring champion for the NBA. 
and that would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has scored more points than any player in the history of the NBA. Doesn't get a lot of credit for it, but man, you're talking about a great player and probably one of the last big men to dominate in the NBA. Magic Johnson was great, but he was nothing without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, man. Uh, man, when, uh, when I think of Kareem, I think of that sky hook that was just almost impossible to block. And, uh, and when I watch basketball today, I... Uh, I, I often find myself uh, asking myself, hey, why don't more big men use the sky hook, man? And, uh, you know, Kareem perfected that. Uh, he even taught Ma- Magic the baby sky hook. And uh, Magic had an uh, awesome game uh, in the playoffs when uh, Kareem was out. But uh, it, it's just a lot of great African-American out athletes yeah. out there that has done a lot of great things. And, uh, you know, We'll go on for shows and shows if we uh, mentioned all of them. We just wanted to highlight some of the great things that uh, that our African-American athletes have uh, been able to do. Well, you know, man, one more thing about Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe not only won the U.S. Open, but he also won Wimbledon. And Arthur Ashe died of AIDS, man, in 1993, a terrible thing, because before we really knew what AIDS was all about and how it affected people, he died from a blood transfusion, a horrible thing, but a great Great man. Uh, yes, he was, and uh, you know when you when you watch those tournaments and, and 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 you have to ask yourself, you know where where are where's the next generation of uh, minority uh, tennis players? Uh, you know, uh, in in some of our sports, we just do not have a, a big following. A lot of the, the young athletes out there today, they want to be football or basketball players. Even uh, baseball is a sport that we once dominated, and. Uh, now, you know, that the number of minority uh, kids participating in those sports uh, is mind-boggling, just the, the amount of kids that are participating. And, uh, you know, that's something that, that we have to do a better job of is introducing our kids to, to different sports. You know, uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there for you to be successful. And uh, I, I just feel that uh, minority kids not being biased, you know, some people can look at this and say it's a stereotype, but uh, there, there's just certain stuff that we do better. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to teach uh, an athlete to be fast and, and to be athletic. And that, those are traits that we're just, it, it seems like a lot of us are born with. Well, that is true, Sam. But when you look at gymnastics now, and we see people like Gabby Douglas, who won who won uh, Olympic gold in the all around first female black first black female to ever win all around gold. We look at golf, and Tiger Woods is dominating that sport. And then we look at tennis, and when we see um, the Williams sisters dominating, and they have for a quite a, quite a while. And and then when we look at uh, even you know. I hey hate guys, to say it. Uh, hey, there, I, I hate to break. Um, Go ahead, Sam. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info. You am on the Voice American Network. We'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Sam, there was a woman named Debbie Thomas. Um... In, in 1988, she won bronze medal in the, in the Winter Olympics in figure skating. Now, I'm telling you, man, this was a huge deal in, 19, in 1988. And I remember this very, very well. I was, uh, I was senior. I just graduated from college in 1988. It's, this was a big deal. So she'd have to be on my list of great Amer- African-American athletes. Who was the first woman to sign in the WNBA? Cynthia Williams? Cynthia Cooper? Cheryl Swoops. Oh, okay. Hey, and, and, and Cheryl Swoops still playing in the WNBA. <laughs> nah, she does, man. She does, but she did a lot of great things for women's basketball. Hey, but Daryl, man, you know. Uh, yeah, go ahead, man. As, in, uh, as a former player, man, well, you know, uh, the NFL combine is a very important part of the process of uh, making the next step uh, of going to the next level. Uh, you know, for the past uh, four or five days, uh, the next 
generation of uh, or future NFL players are in Indianapolis participating in the interview process, uh, the medical testing process, and the on-the-field drills, which consist of the uh, 40-yard dash, the vertical jump, the 60-yard shuttle, and uh, the on-field drills. Uh, so my question to you is, what's more important for these young men? Is it the testing process or is it the game film? Honestly, Sam, I think it's the testing process. I think the testing process is more important than the game film because the game film basically is readily, ready, readily available for you. When you see someone in person, when you can look at them from head to toe, like a lot of coaches say, boy, he sure look good on the hoof. You know what I mean? Like, like almost like an animal. You know, that's how they look at these guys. So I would have to say that the the in person look is more important than the um than the film. And you? Uh, hey, I, I just look at it like this. There's a lot of guys that look good in shorts and shirts. Uh, they run around uh, well. They're they're gonna test well. You're gonna have guys that are gonna um, they're gonna tear up the combine. They're just good testers, and uh, that's that's what they do. But uh. I really feel it's about 50-50. I think that uh, it's important for you to test well, and uh, I also feel that uh, your game game film plays a very important role in you being selected. And, uh, you know, from the testing uh, standpoint, I look at it – I want to see how guys are going to compete with now when you have the best of the best, Uh, you know. If you're going to get 100 balls, I want to see the guy that's going to compete to try to catch 100 balls. and Because uh, you know that you're competing against 15 or 20 guys in your group when you go out and do your drills that, hey, man, I'm trying to get drafted before this guy. I am trying to show him up, not in a bad way, but in a uh, in a competitive way. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think that all of the fans understand, like, how how – tough and mentally draining this process is you know you you set up your interviews with teams uh you you have to interview well it's just not about the own field part you know you got to answer the tough questions uh depending on uh, what you've done on and off the field uh in a negative or positive way uh how how would you represent a franchise so that that's just one part of it the uh the interview process and i mean god they're going to ask you some off the wall stuff and you have to be prepared and uh you have to Wonderly part of the test uh which is going to um test you and see uh Basically, how well you're going to adapt to learn and play uh, the, the, the playbook. Are you going to be a good teammate? You're going to be on time. Are you going to be accountable? And then there's the medical testing process where you can uh, you're going to go through the ringer. That uh, they're going to find they're going to find every nick and cranny thing that's ever happened to you. If you broke your pinky or your uh, finger in the um, second grade, they're going to know that you broke your finger or your pinky, they're going to know everything about you. And, uh, you know, uh, that's also a big, a very important part of it because if you have a medical condition that will prevent you from having a long career, that's a red flag. And that sends guys stock tumbling. And then the 40 yard dash, man, you got to go out, you got to perform well. And that not only in the 40 yard dash, they want to see your vertical. They want to see your broad job. They want to see how explosive of an athlete you are. And, uh, you know, it, it can be tough. It can be overwhelming. When I went to the combine, man, I just felt like a piece of meat. 
And uh, now I'm watching these guys. Uh, they're doing a really good job of uh, handling the interview process. They're saying the right things. And uh, you got to credit the agents for getting them prepared. Oh, man, you got to be kidding. You say you credit the agents for getting them prepared? Yeah, getting them prepared for the interview process, because that's a very big part of, of the combine process, man, being able to interview. Because now, man, you see guys who they go up, they say all the right things. It's like it's, like it's rehearsed, but it's what they want to hear. And uh, who's giving them that information? Who's preparing them for that? It's a lot of guys, Sam, that's going to have Uncle Jim for their agent and a, or a lawyer that they find because they say in themselves, hey, I'm going to be a late-round draft pick. I'm not going to give a third of my money to an agent. You know, I know where I'm going to get drafted. It's only 3%, of, man. It's not a third. I, I, well, not I'm 33%. Saying, it's 3%. It's 3%. I'm saying, hey, come on, man. But I'm, <coughs> I, I wouldn't give a lot of credit to the agents. But I think, I think these guys now, the athlete is a lot smarter than he was than I was in 1987 when I went to the NFL Combine. I think they know a lot. have a whole lot more preparation. The Internet is, is a valuable tool now. You know everything that they're going to do. You almost know the questions that's on the one on the Wonder Lick test by now. And I think it's a lot easier for these guys, and they're a lot better prepared. What I worked on when I was going to the Combine, my 40 time, my shuttle run, my, my, um, my bench press, and, and basically some – um, the four corner drills. I was just doing drills, not necessarily uh, preparing for the Wonderlick test because it just came out. I think it maybe the first or second year that they ever did the test was in 1987. Um, so I, I, I really, I really can't say these guys are. are now you're, on a, now you're seeing a lot of guys. Where are they going? They're going to the IMGs. Of, exactly. Of, they're going to the academies. What is IMG? IMG is, an, is a sports agency that's preparing their athletes to go on to the next level. When uh, I guarantee you, when you watch the NFL draft and you look in the green room, if there's 15 guys in the green room, green room IMG is going to have three to four of those guys. There's a lot of sports agencies out there now. They're sending these guys. They're working with nutrition. They're working with speed coaches. They're working with strength coaches. They're they're bringing them in and they're asking them the tough questions. They're prepping them on how to answer those questions. So you have to tip your hat and give credit where credit is due is to the agents because that's who's getting those guys prepared. In 1987, when you went to the combine, it wasn't. Uh, it, it's a different combine. It's a different combine from when I went to the combine in. in 1999. I mean, it's just a new day. Uh, the social media, uh, everything is out there readily available. And, uh, you know, you have to be prepared uh, and to do a good job in the combine. And uh, if you don't test well, if you don't perform well, that's the difference. It, the difference in the first slot and the in the tenth slot is not as big as it used to be because of now the rookie pay scale. But before that was maybe. Ten million dollars. So you have to be prepared to um, to sell yourself, and that's what these young men uh, they have to do. I looked at G, G, uh, Geno Smith, the quarterback from West Virginia, and he made it abundantly clear that hey, I'm a quarterback uh, that just happens to be athletic. You know, uh, I'll do whatever my team wants me to do. But uh, he tried to um, to push aside the stereotype that hey, I'm a spread quarterback because now. Of course, he's going to be stereotype. He's a minority. He's athletic. So what are they going to say? Hey, you're a zone read quarterback. And, uh, you know, he had to 
to dispel that rumor and just, hey, let guys know I'm going to drop back quarterback first. I just happen to be athletic. If my team needs me to run some zone read, I'm more than willing to do that. Well, he definitely has to stand up for himself. But And, and Sam, these guys, soon as the bowl game is over, they're going to these training facilities working out and preparing for the NFL draft. Okay, who are they, who, who are, who's taking them to these training facilities? Sam, in most cases, the training facilities know these young men are going to be millionaires. It's just a matter of time when they get their money. Okay, you know, so who's taking them? Who's sending them to the training facilities? I wouldn't necessarily say it's the agent. I'm not giving the agent all of this credit. Hey, man, I'm not trying mm-hmm. to – I'm not – here mm-hmm. pounding the table for agents, but I, I just feel that the the IMGs of the world, a lot of these agents, they do a good job of getting their guys prepared, and everybody don't have the budget that IMG have, but at the same time, or creative sports, but at the same time, they're making do with what they had. Even if they, even if they're not going to academy, they're hiring a speed coach. They're hiring someone to work them out. They right. are getting getting their investment prepared for the next level, man. So, you know, they deserve some credit, man. I hear you, man. I hear you. And, and you know, I'm not a big proponent of, like, uh, of the agents. Some agents are, I mean, they don't care anything about these young men. But, you know, you do have some agents that uh, that, 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 that does a, a decent job of trying to prepare these young men. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. When we come back, we're going to let you know some of the guys, the offensive players who improved their draft stock yesterday. We had some blazing 40-yard dash times. flagship station for sports voice america sports football and so much more is the focus of planet gridiron with damian anderson join the former arizona cardinals running back for a show that mixes well a little bit of everything damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field the goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and, of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, 
back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Sam, in, in 2008, Chris Johnson ran a 4-2-4. In 2013, Marquise Goodwin ran a 4-2-7. What's going on with these guys, Sam? Hey, man, some fast guys out there. Uh, you know, uh, Marquise uh, Goodwin, uh, he participated in the Olympics this year as a long jumper, uh, finished 10th out of Texas. Uh, you know, he really helped himself with that 4-2-7 speed. But, uh, you know, we asked the question earlier, what's more important, testing or uh, or game film? I think for or Marquise, or Marquise Goodwin, it's going to come down to his game film. Uh, you know, I want to see what type of plays he's making. I want, is he making a tough catch? I, I know he's fast. Uh, why didn't he make more big plays at Texas? Is it uh, something with their system that didn't allow him to make big plays? Uh, but as far as speed and jumping, there's no doubt that he's fast. And when you run a fast time like that, at the end of the day, all these NFL um, teams, they're looking, they're looking at their clocks. What's on their clocks? Another guy who just set the track on fire is uh, Ontario McCaleb of, of uh, Auburn. He was the fastest running back uh, on uh, Sunday with the 4-3-4 official time. But some people had him clocked as fast as a 4-2-1. And uh, even Chris Johnson tweeted, I was a little scared there for a minute, buddy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Ontario McCaleb, he's from Fort Meade, Florida. Uh, I don't know how the um, the Gators and the Seminoles and the Hurricanes let him out the state of Florida, but I uh, just wish the young man nothing but luck. Uh, you know, I hang out in Fort Meade a lot. Uh, both of my wife's grandparents live in Fort Meade, and I uh, have a good time. Just a nice, hardworking uh, community, and uh, just congratulations to Ontario, Michaela. Hey, for sure, man. Trayvon Austin from uh, West Virginia, man, four three four. You know, it's a lot of four threes, but it's four three four. That's nothing to be uh, playing around with either, man. There's a lot of people uh, that that feel that uh, Tavon Austin is the best uh, overall player in the draft. Uh, like you mentioned, a four three four forty. He also caught the the ball well. Uh, he's going to be a threat, in my opinion, from day one. He's on the smaller side. He's going to be a guy that you can put in the slot. And uh, look at the success Wes Walker's had in the slot. Uh, and, you know, Percy Harvin. The thing I like about Mr. Austin is that uh, he also can run the ball uh, from the running back position, the, the, the gator sweep, the speed sweep type plays. He's a return man. Uh, he looks to me like a, a faster version of the Sean Jackson. Uh, so he, he did well for himself. Uh, he's a guy that I don't see getting past uh, um, the 15th pick in this draft, man. Uh, he really impre- improved his stock. Well, um, Sam, what do you see this guy, Ryan Swoop, from Texas A&M? 434, another 434 kind of guy, man. Hey, uh, This might be the next West Welker. Hey, man, if I'm going to say that there's another West Welker, I, I'm going to go with Austin. Uh, you know, uh, Swoop, he, he surprised a lot of people. But, again, to me, for some of these guys, uh, I, I want to see what you did on tape, week in and week out. You know, Texas A&M had a very – Good season in the SEC. They uh, competed very well. And, uh, you know, he put up some good numbers in the SEC, which is the 
the, the closest thing you're going to get to the NFL in college football. So the competition week in and week out was there. And uh, it's just another young man to help themselves. Hey, man, we got to take it to Ann Arbor now. Another guy who uh, he's making the transition from quarterback to wide receiver, uh, Denard Robinson, uh, shoelace. He laced up his shoes for his 40. He ran a 4-3-4 unofficial and a 4-4-3 official. Uh, he, he had a good day, in my opinion. He competed hard. Uh, he uh he improved a lot from the senior bowl to the combine. And uh, he's a guy that's uh, his pro day is also going to be important because I, I think teams want to see how much more is he going to improve it? Does he have that skill set to make the transition uh, from a college quarterback to a wide receiver? The one thing I can tell you about uh, Denard Robinson is when you, when he has the ball in his hands, regardless of position, he is a dynamic playmaker, and I really feel that this is a guy who's going to probably go in a late second round, early third round, and the right team, the team that drafts him, and if they have an offensive coordinator that thinks outside the box, they're going to get them one hell of a football player. You know, I, I really agree with you, Sam. I really do agree with you. I think Jannar Robinson is going to be a heck of a player in the NFL. We've seen wide receivers um, we've seen guys play wide receiver in the NFL that played quarterback in, in college. We've seen him go from uh, quarterback from high school to college. So I, I really think he's going to um, do well at that position, man. But what do you think about this guy, Xavier Goodwin, a, a linebacker running a 4-4-7, man? Hey, man, uh, big, strong, fast guy. Uh, he, he made himself a lot of money, man. He made himself a lot of money. A lot of money. Hey, but uh, we're going to stick to the offense right now. But check this out. Teron, Teron Armstead, Arkansas Pine Bluff, six foot five, 306 pounds, ran a 4.65 unofficial. Officially, it was a 4.71, which is a new combine record. And then shortly after, he, after him, Oklahoma tackle Lane Johnson, Ran a four seven two. You're talking about three hundred pounders that are moving. I mean, uh, think about a big offensive tackle, athletic with all of the speed rushers. Uh, you know, the guys made themselves a lot of money. And uh, Teron Armstead from Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know, he had a, he had the opportunity to play at bigger schools, but uh, he was a state champion shot putter. He wanted to. Uh, play football and track in college. So that's one of the reasons he went to uh, um, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, he had he did an outstanding job at the, um, the East-West Shrine game. He uh, was a late addition to the Senior Bowl. He competed well there. So th- this is a young man that's skyrocketing up draft boards. And, you know, people love speed, man. They, and, and what do guys think at the next level? They think that they're better coaches than the college coaches, so they're going to be able to bring something out of these players. And it only helps when you test well. And, and that's for sure, man. You know, but, um, you know, you, you hear people like uh, Arthur Brown. You know, a lot of people expecting some things from him this year, and he's not running at the combine. Uh, you know, I hear he has a shoulder in- injury, so it's a lot of things he's not doing, but what do you think about these guys that don't participate at the combine for reasons they give all? They say, well, I'll do it during the pro day at school or I'll have a private workout. How do you feel about that? I, I, I really feel each is on. And uh, if you're going to take that chance, some, uh, you're going to have uh, some 
personnel guys that are going to look at it or some teams are going to say, hey, he didn't want to compete with the best of the best. But uh, normally some of the top guys, if you're a big-time prospect, uh, you know, you really – I don't think it's really going to hurt you much if you don't work out. Now, if you're a guy that's a middle-round guy, I I feel that you're wasting the opportunity uh, to to impress. Uh, But, you know, sometimes there's nothing like being at home, uh, your own facilities where you feel comfortable at. Uh, And uh, if the guy have a shoulder injury, if he's not 100%, then I say, hey, wait till you heal up and get 100% because, hey, it's just like when when, when me and you were playing, guys that were injured, hey, hey, go on out there and play. You know, it's okay. Just jog a couple laps, take a couple reps. You know, once they get you on film, they cut you. So, you know, they can tell you, hey, we know your shoulders hurt. But uh, so go out there and do the best you can. But then when you don't perform well, they're going to use that against you and you can end up hurting yourself. So if you're not 100 percent healthy, I would say, hey, just wait until you're 100 percent. And, uh, you know, now teams have multiple pro days, so I don't think it's as big of a deal. And uh, teams will get over that real uh, fast once if you test well. Hey, man, another offensive tackle. Uh, he comes from a football family. His his dad was a big-time defensive end from the Raiders, Howie Long. His brother's doing an outstanding job uh, for the St. Louis Rams. Uh, Oregon offensive tackle Kyle Long, uh, he had the third fastest time on offensive line. He ran a 4-9-4, man, and he's trying to make a name for himself. When, when your father's a Hall of Famer, your brother is a top-five pick, you know, those are that's, that's a lot of pressure, man. Oh, that's definitely a lot of pressure. You know, Howie Long played for my favorite team, the Oakland Raiders, for many years. But, you know, how about this kid, um, Warner, um, Braun Warner? Uh, he's, a, he's an exchange student from Germany, played offensive line at Florida State, and, and looked like he's going to be a, a high draft pick, man. Uh, the, the defensive end, man. He's, he's had an, uh, he had an outstanding uh Defensive end, excuse me, yes. Yeah, he had a he had an outstanding year for Florida State. Uh he's a guy that's projected going to top fifteen picks at a draft. Uh he's done well for himself. Hey, but man, just getting back on the offensive side of the ball, uh some of the players there that hurt their draft stock. You know, uh I, I was really, really disappointed in the running backs. That, and, and just the time, like some of the guys, you know, uh, Monty Ball of uh, Wisconsin. This is a young man that uh, finished in the top five uh, Heisman voting uh, two years ago. He decided to come back to school. Uh, he ran a four six six. Uh, 40-yard dash time, and you know, for a running back, it's all about separation. Uh, just because he ran a four six six, that don't mean that he won't have a successful uh, NFL career. It, to me, it's about being in the right system and uh, being utilized the right way. Well, and that, and that's for sure. But I, I actually think um, I think Ball is going to be still going to be a first round pick, and I think he's going to have a pretty productive career in the NFL this year. He might even be the first running back taken in the draft. Uh, another uh, guy, Stephen Taylor of, of Stanford, man, he ran a four seven six, and uh, and to me. I really feel that uh, these young men are uh, they're faster than their 40 time. And uh, I just think it's being in an environment that you're not comfortable in. Uh, I mentioned it earlier that the combine can be very stressful. And uh, that's why some guys love to uh, to work out at a place that they feel comfortable, which is their, their school, man. It, you're, you're more comfortable in your, in familiar surroundings. So, uh, 
uh, I think that's the reason why some of these running backs struggled. Levon Bell of Michigan State, he ran a 4-6. I don't feel that any of these guys helped their draft stock but at the same time that's the great thing about being able to have a pro day at your school where you can come back and you can right the wrong now if this was their pro day and the the only time the only opportunity they had to work out then it might be a problem yeah you know and and i matt barkley is a kid that falls right into that category you know he suffered an injury during the season um, he hasn't worked out at the combine. However, you hear stories that he's impressing teams. You know, someone said, how could he impress teams if he's not participating? Well, he's interviewing with teams. He's talking to people, and, uh, and, they're, and they're picking his brain. So uh, he does have a chance to, to impress people at the combine. Yes, and he, I mean, he's rehabbing his shoulder. And you think about Matt Barkley, man. He could have transferred. He could have took the easy way out uh, when uh, – Pete Carroll left for the pros. They didn't have an AD at one time. What did Matt Barkley do? He was the face of the program. He stood up and talked about why he's staying at USC and all of the great things about USC. So if I'm a if I'm a GM, if I'm a head coach, that's the type of guy I want. That's leadership at a young age as a sophomore that uh, Matt Barkley displayed. And, uh, you know, I really feel that he's a big-time quarterback. I, I I think he trusted his receivers a little bit too much. He probably forced some throws, but uh, I think Matt Barkley's a big-time uh, prospect. Another thing that I really feel is going to hurt him is that uh, the last couple quarterbacks out of USC, Sanchez and Liner, they kind of tanked, so teams are going to say, is he a product of the system? Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the defensive guys who need to impress your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. 
That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And, and welcome back to Sports Info UM. Sam, before we go on to the defense, I got one question for you. Who's going to get drafted first, Geno or uh, Barkley? Geno Smith or Barkley? I'm gonna go with Geno, man. I really like Geno. I, li- I like both of these young men, but I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Geno. Okay, I, I can I can deal with that. So who do you think? What's, what's... I, I I really think um, I think Barkley is gonna go first because I really think if Barkley had came out last year, he would have probably been the third quarterback taken in the draft. Might have been a third player taken in the draft. Hey, and, Hey, it's a different year. I think Gino. I think Gino's gonna get drafted before him, man. Hey, but uh, man, Tateo, he finally ad- addressed the media, and uh, I- I've never seen anything like it, man. It was like he was at the Super Bowl media day, and uh, he was Tom Brady, and uh, I-, I really feel he did a good job. You know, I was uh, talking to Papa, and uh, Papa made some. Uh, he made some good points, man. He said, uh, "Who wouldn't be embarrassed in this situation if you was uh, if you was Teo?" And uh, you know, if I was in that situation, if I was duped like that by a hoax like that, uh, Daryl, you know, I would try to hide and try to figure things out. And uh, I don't know if I would have came out and said, "Hey, it, it was a." Uh, it wasn't real just right away. You know, you got, you try to figure things out and, and you probably, he probably went to sleep several times just hoping that the whole thing would go away. But, uh, I do like the, uh, the fact that he, he faced the media. Uh, some people feel that he died some questions, but a, a lot of people feel that he came away likable in that interview. I, I really feel that his biggest, uh, issue going forward is, is that he's going to have to let teams know that, uh, Hey, uh, I was I had a little adversity in the Alabama game, and um, I'm going to be able to handle adversity a little bit better because uh, you and I both know uh, when you're at the next level, there's things that's that's, that's going to come up. You're going to have issues. You're going to have to deal with issues, and uh, I would have liked to seen him play a little bit better under those circumstances. So he's going to have to prove that that Alabama game wasn't a fluke, and uh, also the day he ran a 4.82, I don't really think that that helped his cause, but. Uh, He's a guy that he, he's a football player in my mind. Uh, I, I really studied the linebacker game. I, I think he was a little overhyped, but I really feel that he's a good football player. I don't see him getting past the 25th pick in this draft. I, I still think he's a top 25 pick. Uh, well, Sam, I think there's still some unanswered questions, and he's not willing to answer the tough questions. And I think as long as there are questions, we're going to look at him with a suspicious eye. And I think if we're looking at him with a suspicious eye, the NFL are not, is not going to invest a top pick with him. And I also look at it like, Sam, I think this man might be a, a, a second-round pick. So you might be looking at him maybe the 34th player taken in the draft, not the 24th or 25th. Uh, 25th, 34th, I would just be happy to hear my name called that high. You're going to have an opportunity to go out and play. But I, I just feel, man, he's going to have a better pro day when he go to Notre Dame. And uh, I, I really feel that the media, uh, they're going to keep picking because uh, they got duped also because, you know, they trusted everything. They didn't do their homework. Uh, it's not his fault that uh, that they were lazy. It was lazy reporting on their part that they didn't uh, do a better job of researching. Hey, man, but enough on Teo. Another guy, man, who's been through a lot, uh, Tyron Mathea, the no more honey badger. Uh, 
He says honesty is his new best friend. Uh, this is a guy that finished fifth in the Heisman and was a consensus All-American. He was a defensive player of the year, a possible first-round talent at cornerback. Uh, you know, he came to Indianapolis hoping to convince teams to, to select him in the in the second or third round. And, uh, you know, I, I like the fact that he uh, – that he's holding himself accountable for everything that he did. And uh, the, the one thing about the NFL, man, it, it's a forgiving league. If you, can, uh, if you can play ball and if you can be productive, uh, you're going to get second, you're going to get third, and you're going to get fourth chances if you're good enough. Uh, look at Chris Carter. He was just elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He had some issues. Hey, man, your former teammate, Michael Irvin, he went through some things, man. There's, there's a laundry list of guys who've done things that have been in trouble that has uh, been able to turn their career around. Uh, look at all the guys that get suspended for uh, for four games for uh, performance enhancement drugs, and uh, they get other chances, man. So I, I really feel that this is going to be a small bump in the road for him. Uh, the, the main thing that uh, he has to do is he has to stay clean, and uh, and when the preseason come around, he's going to have to do a good job. And I do like the fact that uh, he has a great support system. He has players... Uh, Patrick Peterson, Darrell Revis, uh, Morris Claiborne, Corey Webster, uh, in his support system, man. And, uh, that, you know, that's going to be big. You know, uh, the LSU guys, I like the fact that they're sticking behind their brother. And uh, I, I hope the, uh, to see uh, Tyron Medea in the National Football League, and I know he will be. Hey, if a team has an extra pick, uh, I really feel that that's going to be a good selection. I really feel like this is going to be a good selection too, Sam. Um, I think one of the things that's going to hurt him is his height. I don't think he's grown two inches since the last time we saw him play. And if he hasn't, it's going to hurt him still. Um, he's, he has plenty of speed. That's no doubt. He's electrifying. He's a game breaker with a kickoff return, punt return. So, you know, people are going to be looking at him as, as, a, as a returner and a defensive back. So you get a two-and-one with this guy, and I think someone's going to take a chance on him probably early in the second, third round. And, you know, corners get third corners get paid like uh, starting corners now because they're so yeah. much three and four wide receivers, man. So I think uh, he'll be a good addition as a, maybe a slot slash nickel corner. Hey, man, another guy who's going to have to face uh, – He's going to have to face the music as a uh, Georgia linebacker, uh, Alec Ogletree. Uh, he missed four games earlier this year for uh, – allegedly uh, smoking marijuana, and uh, he also just recently had a, uh, a DUI out in Arizona. So that uh, he's a top 15 talent, but he's a guy that's just going to have to uh, be honest and answer the questions, and uh, hopefully things will be all right with him. Also, linebacker Jarvis Jones of, uh, of Georgia, this is a guy that's a, a potential uh, top five pick, man. Uh, you know, he has spinal stenosis, which is a narrow of the spinal column. He got a, a favorable uh, medical report today, so that's good news for him. This is a young man that uh, wasn't cleared by USC because of his medical condition. Yeah, and, and let's wish this man the best, man. I wish him the best. I know he's going to do well. Um, you know, this is a guy that at basically USC told him, hey, you got to go home. We, we can't have you on our team anymore. And then he basically um, got, a, got a chance to come to Georgia, play for Mark Rick, and he's probably going to be a first-round pick. He's definitely going to be a first-round pick. It's just where he's going to go in the first round. Is he going to be in the top 10 picks or the top 20? And, and another, hey, uh, I, I think he's going to be in the top five, ten picks, man. Uh, and, and really, with this medical report, I, it, it's possible, man. This is a guy that's just—he's he, a beast. 
Hey, uh, a, a, a young man that, uh, that didn't receive uh, such good news uh, is Utah defense attacker star low to Laley. Uh, he's ranked number one on Scouts, Inc. Uh, big board. He's a top five prospect by ESPN's uh, Mel Kiper Jr. and Todd Mache. Uh, he will not be allowed to, uh, to work out, uh, you know, doing his medical uh, exam. They found the... Um, a heart condition found that he had a heart condition he's going to have to see a specialist uh later on in the week uh, he's going to stay at the combine and continue to interview uh let's just uh we're going to keep him in our prayers and hopefully that is just a minor speed bump and uh you know he, he'll be all right he'll be able to work out at his pro day uh you know you're rather err on the side of caution in these situations Definitely, man. Definitely. Let's let's wish him the well. Let's just wish him well. You know, and it wasn't long ago that a lot of guys played with what we call we used to call a heart murmur, or, or over oversized heart, and um, it wasn't a big deal back in the day. But now, since um, some athletes has actually collapsed on the field in past years, they take it very very serious now, and um, it's just not something that they they take lightly anymore. Yes, man. Hey, well, hey, guys, that's pretty much that's going to wrap up our NFL portion. Daryl, you're a big race car uh, fan. You know, we're down. We're about 20 minutes from uh, the Daytona 500. You have 60 seconds to let our fans know what happened yesterday at the Daytona 500. Well, I think the good old guys let Danica hang in there for a long time. And then when it really, really got got down to the nut crunch time, I think they really showed her who was boss. Danica ended up eighth, and Jimmy Johnson won the race. But, man, sometimes you got to think, is this NASCAR like the WWF? Is it fake or is it real? <laughs> hey, man, another thing. You know, Mark Cuban said that the Lakers should amnesty Kobe Bryant, and Kobe put on the show yesterday, and he tweeted amnesty that. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. We out. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.